Great. I'm going to try and speak a little faster than I normally do. I have this tendency of talking slowly. And I've got quite a lot to get through, so I'm going to try and speak quickly. But if you miss something that I say, you can always ask me later. I'd like to start with a story. So last Tuesday, my 25-year-old niece, Gemma, had a maths exam at college. And that was because a company, uh, the company that she works for had enrolled her on an accountancy course at the college... Uh, but they did that without realising that she didn't actually have uh, a good enough GCSE in maths to be on the course. So the college said that she would have to take an exam. And uh, being the sensible person that she is, she asked the college if they could give her some idea of what uh, she needed to know for the exam. Unfortunately, the college refused to give her any information apart from saying... Uh, The exam will be 45 minutes, and there'll be nine questions. That's all they would say. My sister called me in France and asked if I could help at all with helping my niece get ready for this uh, exam. So I spent a bit of time Skyping with her, going through some general maths questions that we'd managed to find, uh, find online. And she worked really hard, and we were both quite hopeful that she'd be able to pass this exam. As it turned out, she, uh, she went in for the exam. She discovered that uh, she couldn't use a calculator. And she had to do the exam in half an hour rather than 45 minutes. And so, uh, basically, she really struggled with the questions. And as a result, failed the exam. And the outcome of all that is that she can't carry on with the accountancy course. So, not a happy ending to the story, I'm afraid. But why am I telling you this, you might be wondering. Well, it's because the question, what do we need to know, is a very good question. It's a question that we often asked ourselves, um, or when we often asked when we were in the process of moving to France 12 years ago. And even now, when we're faced with something um, unfamiliar or unknown, it's a question that helps to get us to the heart of what's important. What What do we need to know? Over the past few weeks, if you've been here at Portswood, you've been exploring one of Paul's letters, the second one he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. And it's great, I think, to explore some of the lesser-known parts of the Bible, the bits that are sometimes overlooked and which contain things that are hard to understand. And for this morning, I've chosen to look at the second letter that Peter wrote which is also one that perhaps is not so well known. But it has some similarities with 2 Thessalonians. And if you'd like to find it in the church Bibles, it's on page 1,222. So page 1,222 is where Peter's second letter begins So out of the 12 disciples who were the first to follow Jesus, Peter is probably the one that we know the most about. I don't know what impressions you have of Peter or what you know about him, but you've probably heard something about the encounters that he had with Jesus and certain events from his life. We're told in John's Gospel that he was a fisherman living in the village called Bethsaida in Galilee. Uh, He had a brother called Andrew. Uh, and Peter is the one who cut someone's ear off with a sword. Peter's the one who, after three years as a disciple, denied Jesus three times, denied knowing Jesus three times in the same evening. 
And if you want to know more about Peter, you just have to read any one, start reading any one of the first five books of the New Testament, uh, because uh, he really gets mentioned a lot in those books. But there are also two letters that he wrote, which we, which we find in the Bible, just a little bit further on from the letters that Paul wrote, and right before the letters that John wrote. So in, those, well, in both of those letters, he seems to be asking this question, what do these people need to know? Or what's important for people to know? And I say that because he gives a clear reason for writing his letters. And let me just read to you what that is. It should come up on the screen. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I find that helpful to know. The reason that Peter gives reveals something. And if we had the time, it'd be great to read the whole letter or to listen to the letter being read. And I would really encourage you to do that later on today. It takes less than 10 minutes to read through to Peter. So I'd encourage you to do that either on your own or with someone else. Because it's just a short letter. And in order to understand, okay, what is it that's motivating Peter? And what is it that he has to say? You you have to read the whole thing. Five minutes on your own, ten minutes if you're reading it out loud with someone else. And he's writing, I think, because he has some concerns about the people who are going to read this letter. He's He's worried for them because of the challenges that they're facing. And in particular, the influence that's going to come from other people. So we could ask ourselves the question, what are some of the big challenges that we're facing? And what is it that is influencing us? Or maybe, who is it that's influencing us the most? I was thinking about this, and I know for myself there are a few things that are, that are challenging at the moment. With Rachel and Ellen both being at uh, Lycée now, which is the French equivalent of uh, Sixth Form College, and under a lot of pressure from the amount of work that they're expected to do. That's a, that's a real challenge for us as a family. We've also been in a bit of a, a difficult situation in Strasbourg where it feels like we've lost a good relationship uh, with some Navigator colleagues who were, who were very good friends of ours because of some misunderstandings and miscommunication, things that happen. And I find myself thinking about that a lot. And I'm quite troubled, troubled by the effect that that's had on a lot of people And so I would say that's one thing. That's one thing that's having a big influence on me at the moment. I can't escape that situation thinking about it. But but I wonder what comes to mind for you. You see, we can't help but be influenced by other people. It's a normal part of life. As we listen to what people around us say, as we see the things they do, we're influenced in different ways, either either by things that we like or things that we don't like, Sometimes the influence is deliberate, sometimes it's accidental or unintentional. Often it's in very obvious ways, but perhaps even more often it's in subtle ways. There are some influences that I think should be welcomed, there are others that should be avoided. And the influence that others have on us, it has a real impact, and that's an ongoing powerful Impact. So, to be aware of that is a good thing. And I'll be very, I'll be very honest with you. I want to influence you this morning by what I say. 
I'm trying to influence you in this little half-hour talk. Will I succeed? I hope so. Or at least I hope so if I can be a positive influence. But it's also possible that things I'm going to say will have a negative influence on you. I don't know how you're going to respond to what I'm saying. And that's a risk for you, and it's a risk for me. But going back to the question of what influences you, I think we do have a choice in the matter. We can, to some extent, decide who we listen to and what we look at in the world around us. We can tune in and we can tune out. We can pay attention or we can just lose the plot. Or we can ignore things. That is, if we're aware of the impact that people around us or things around us are having on us. So if if we're aware of the impact that other people's uh, words or thoughts or ways can have on us, then that's a good thing. And Jesus had a profound impact on his disciples because he spent time with them. They followed him around, around Galilee. Sometimes they went to Jerusalem and to other places. He taught them. He explained things to them. He showed them things that had a huge impact on their lives. And he changed their way of understanding the world. He changed their way of seeing themselves. And he challenged everything they knew about God. And Peter, I think, knows all about influence, both positive and negative, good and bad, and it comes out in his letters. He's also convinced that what he has to say and what his readers need to know is vitally important. This isn't just if you feel like it. This is vitally important. So, for example, he writes the following. I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of the body. I will make every effort to see that you will always be able to remember these things. Peter knows that we all forget things from time to time. That's just being human. It could be someone's name. It could be an appointment. It could be where did I leave my car keys. It could be someone's birthday. But he implies that some things are too important to forget. And so there's something specific that he wants his readers to do. He writes this. I want you to recall I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So Peter was very aware of his of his own failings. He didn't forget his denial of Jesus. And he was, convinced, he was convinced of the importance of knowing and bringing to mind and recalling all the things that have been communicated and written down in the past. He underlines, he underlines that even if we know these things already, it's still really important to be reminded, and probably as often as possible. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll reread a book that I've read before, and And I'm no longer surprised, I'm 52 now, I'm no longer surprised that I've forgotten the main points of the story. Uh, Even when I read it for the first time, it was really gripping and memorable. And so it's not a problem to me to read a book again. Um, Or I notice details that I missed the first time. 
or I see things from a different perspective or with greater understanding and appreciation. Or thinking about it another way, it's normal that we eat every day. And not just once, because we get hungry and our bodies need the energy that food provides to continue to function well. Sometimes we can forget to eat if we're very busy. Sometimes we don't eat if we don't have an appetite, uh, like when we're sick. But if we're healthy, then we continue to eat regularly, and that's essential for us to live. So Peter, in his first letter, he encourages his readers to be like newborn babies, craving pure spiritual milk, knowing that it's essential for them to have regular, repeated intake of food. And Jesus himself said, It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Lord. So this is one of the ways, this is one of the ways that Peter is trying to use to protect his readers from unhelpful influences. He basically says to them what he's writing is super important. And he wants them to remember not only his words, but all the things that were said in the past by the prophets and the things that Jesus said and taught that have been passed on to them by the other apostles. So to put that in simple terms, how how does that sound to you? To me, that sounds like he's saying, make sure that whatever else you do, you are influenced by what's in this book. We, will, we have the word of the prophet, we have the words of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. So in a world where there are lots of people and lots of things that can have an influence on us, Peter underlines the importance of the instructions and the advice that he's giving, as well as encouraging us not to forget or lose sight of the things that Jesus commanded as well as all the words of the prophets. The title, as Peter mentioned, that I've given to this morning's talk is The Importance of Knowing. And I only have two points. So if you like, the first point is the importance of knowing what's in this book. Something I think that most of us are already convinced about. But as Peter said, we need to be reminded of the things that we know. So moving on to my second point, I recently read, I recently read uh, that Kate Moss, the model Kate Moss, has been criticised for something that she said when she was much younger. You might have read this as well. She said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And this was the thing that she and her friends, who were also models, would say to themselves whenever they were hungry or tempted to eat something, because they wanted to or they needed to stay as thin as possible. And it's quite clever. I think it's quite clever. As a way of resisting uh, the temptation of overeating or eating, having a phrase like that, so something that you've memorized and is ready to be brought to mind whenever you think about food or whenever you want to eat something... Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. But it's also potentially quite dangerous. And this is what she was being criticised for. Because 
She has considerable influence as a famous, successful model. And there's a real problem with eating disorders like anorexia, which affect many people. So she's being criticized for putting this idea, this message, into people's minds, which can be very harmful. So right at the end of this second letter of Peter's, he gives his reader, he gives them uh, another way of resisting the unhelpful influence that others can have on us and to remain firm in what we believe. And it's a phrase a little bit like the one that Kate Moss used, uh, a little bit longer, but with a similar purpose. Uh, and it's actually an, it's an instruction in two parts. Uh, and this is the instruction. Don't, don't be carried away by the error of other people, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Don't be carried away by the error of others, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I think we'd all agree it's helpful to have advice or instructions. And there are some, there are some instructions that are easy to understand. For example, the ones that we hear a lot. Uh, eat five fruit or vegetables every day. Or avoid snacking between meals. With these kinds of simple instructions, you know exactly what you're meant to do even if we don't do it. But there are other kinds of instructions where perhaps it isn't very clear what we're meant to do. For a lot of people, maths questions and tax forms would fall into that category. You know, what on earth do you do with that? And to my way of thinking, the instruction that Peter gives sounds clear and simple, but I'm not so sure that I know what we're meant to do with it. It sounds good, but, but how do we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. How does that actually happen? What do we need to do? And it seems to me that that is something that it's worth thinking about. What can we do to put this into practice? How do we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? And given that Peter finishes this letter with that instruction, perhaps he explains what it means somewhere else in the letter. And what I noticed is that quite often letters begin and end in a similar way. And it's true with this letter. So let me read the very beginning. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace in abundance through our knowledge of Jesus our Lord, of God and of Jesus our Lord. I would say that these are two things. These are the two things that we need most in life. Grace and peace. And I don't think there's anything that we can do by ourselves to obtain or manufacture the grace or the peace that we need. These two things are given to us when we ask. And according to what Peter writes, they come through our knowledge of God and of Jesus. Or we could say that they come through knowing God and knowing Jesus our Lord. Because it seems to me that there's there's a difference between knowing something knowing what's in this book, 
and knowing someone. I know that, I now know, because I've been in France for long enough, that in French, for example, there are two different words for knowing something and knowing someone. Uh, and there's someone here who could probably tell us what those two words are. Yeah, savoir is to know something, and connaître is to know someone. Brilliant, thank you for backing me up. So with the help of books and the internet, we can discover plenty of interesting things about lots of people. But knowing something about someone, when they were born, what their favorite food is, uh, how old they are, is not the same as knowing someone. If we know someone... If we know someone, we have a connection with them. Knowing something about someone doesn't necessarily change us. Whereas knowing someone can make a huge difference, depending on who that person is and depending on our relationship with them. So, for example, we might know that the the guy who owns Amazon is the richest man in the world, I think. That's right. But it's another thing entirely if he is your dad. I don't think I would worry about having enough money to pay the rent if my dad owned Amazon. So knowing someone, knowing someone who is well-known or incredibly rich or powerful or all three at the same time, would change us. And all the more if they were a close friend or a relative with whom we had a really good relationship So I just want to make this point that knowing Jesus is very different from knowing about Jesus. But obviously the two are connected. And there are some things that are even more valuable than money or material possessions. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And Peter goes on to write immediately after that, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Having everything we need, being given everything, is no small thing. But again, the key is that it comes through our knowledge of the one who called us. Peter says that having everything comes through knowing Jesus, the one who calls us, the one who invites us to join him, to be part of the family. And this invitation is given not because of our qualities, our strengths, but because of his goodness and glory. So for anyone who's taking notes, that's my second point this morning. The importance of knowing Jesus. So just two points, the importance of knowing what's in this book and the importance of knowing Jesus. They go hand in hand. But to come back to the question, how do we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? What does that look like in practice? What are we meant to do in order to grow? Going back to the example of eating five uh, fruit or veg a day, I said, at least with this kind of instruction, we know what to do, even if we don't do it. I think you'd agree with that, but... Just thinking about it, we only know what to do because we know what a fruit is. And we can count to five. And we can tell the difference between a day and a month. And we know how to eat something. But all those things 
we had to learn. And we actually needed a lot of help to, to get to the point where we could do those things. If I told our three-year-old James that he should eat at least five fruit or veg a day, I, I wonder how he would get on. He would go into the kitchen, he would open the cupboards. I don't think, I don't think he would eat five bits of fruit a day. Um, so so some, some instructions need thinking about. Uh, and if we read a little bit more of the letter, Peter gives his readers uh, some other advice and instructions to help us. So, for example, this is what he says. For this very reason, the reason being that, uh, that this depends on God and not on us, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection or brotherly kindness and to, and to mutual affection love. Make every effort to add to your faith these things. Being told to make every effort to do something suggests that it's important, that it's worth thinking about at least. <clears throat> if we were to get rid of that, um, uh, that verse now, close our Bibles, I wonder how many of the things from that list we could remember. How many, how many things were on that list? So I've read, I've read this list at least a hundred times in the past week, and I and I still couldn't I I still couldn't give you the list. But it, it seems to me like this is a really important list. We should be we should we should know this. Um, I think for Peter, making every effort to grow in these areas of faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness brotherly kindness or mutual affection and love, it's part of growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this is how it works, or at least this is a possibility. Every day, we have multiple opportunities to practice these things. But we don't necessarily think that way. We're not even aware of the opportunities. We don't even know the list. But if we have these qualities in increasing measure, as Peter goes on to write then we need to practice. We need to practice goodness. We need to practice godliness. We need to practice kindness, self-control, perseverance, love, all of those things. It's good to know the list, but being able to recite the list is not enough. We need to see opportunities in our everyday lives to practice these things and then try to do it. If the motivation is to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and if we remember that it's through our knowledge of Jesus that we have an abundance of grace and peace and everything we need for a godly life, if we remember that, it can only help with uh, making every effort to add these things in. And let's just remember that when Peter writes these things, he's not just writing to individuals. This isn't an individual exercise. This isn't a homework thing. But to whole groups of people, trying to live this way is supposed to be like a team sport. It was never meant to be something that we do on our own as a lone endeavor. We definitely need one another's help and encouragement with these things. 
And more than that, and this is the beauty of it, we need Jesus' help. He is the expert. And he's promised to be with us. And he's with us more than we have ever realized. It goes beyond our ability to understand how much Jesus is with us all the time. So let me try, let me suggest a practical thing. First of all, try to remember the list. Perhaps memorize it even, if you, if you can do that kind of thing. Then ask God to help us, help us, not just me, help us, to see the opportunities to practice these things in everyday life. And as we try, we're going to struggle and probably fail, just like my niece with her maths exam. We need grace, the grace that Jesus provides, the peace that comes from knowing it's not about our, it's not down to us, it's not an exam we have to pass. Jesus being with us is more than just a nice idea. He is with us so that his life will empower our lives, so that we will be transformed to be like him through his influence and presence in our lives. So just the final verse, as Peter writes. So, missing the first part. If you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Lord, we simply want to say thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you are doing uh, to strengthen us and help us. Lord, we ask that we might experience your grace and peace in abundance this week through our knowledge of you, through knowing you. And that we would continue to pray and reflect and grow in the grace and knowledge of you, our Lord, our Saviour, our Rescuer, our Friend, our King. And that our growth and progress together would be for the praise of your glory. Amen.